We're in Rome this episode, and I couldn't be happier. I'm Will Stewart, and you're listening to A Cook's Library. My guest is Rachel Roddy, the esteemed writer and cook. Her column in The Guardian, A Kitchen in Rome, and her two books, Five Quarters and Two Kitchens, are essential reads for lovers and eaters of Italian food. Rachel's third book, An A to Z of Pasta, is coming out soon. Rachel tells me more at the end. But first, a comparison that took me by surprise, but it's so obvious. I mean, I've always, always thought that Roman trattorias are so close to English pubs. My granny had a pub in Manchester, you know, uh, there was a reason that I sort of loved. I didn't get it at first. I didn't know why I liked the atmosphere of a Roman trattoria. But, it, you know, as soon as like that clicks and I thought, God, this is just like a really good pub. You know, yeah. the, the, the spirit is just the same and also loads in common with traditional English food. And I mean, good food, you know, with a sort of braised meat and the leeks and the peas and the and the sort of slow, long cooking. It's it's really I, I mean, but I find Roman food really like the food of of, um, of sort of the north of England. And um, and it very much in sort of and, and I find the spirit of Romans to be very, very like sort of northern English or or sort of pub owners and or Irish. It's very it's very close in that spirit, um, which I think is one of the reasons that I have loved being here so much. I don't think I would have done otherwise. No, no, it does. Interesting you say that. Um, when I was in Rome, the trattorias, I, I feel like if you go to a pub, it's very common that like the owners will be just sat in the pub chatting. Like that just happens. It does. It's not a restaurant, it's a pub. And there was that, that happened in every trattoria we were in. People were just like sat and chatting who were working, but like sort of got up when they wanted to get up and then take a plate from you type thing. So it felt very much like, it did, does have a pub feel to it. Yeah, that is, that is true. I never really thought about it like that. If you look historically, and I'm not a historian, but certainly, that you know, the origins of trattorias are, of course, of taverns and pubs and inns. Mm. You know, they were places that you would go and you would, you know, you'd have a room and you'd have a space for your horse and you'd get something to drink, maybe something to eat, probably quite salty. And also trattorias, I think this is one of the interesting things about, about coming to Rome and sort of eating here. I really think the best advice you can be given is sort of, go somewhere and if you like it, go back and go back again. Because, because these are sort of trattorias, whether they are good or bad or indifferent, they're sort of functional places like pubs. They, they serve a purpose beyond just eating and drinking. Mm. They're a place to stop and rest and water and, you know, and satisfy yourself and chat and, and sort of, they're very much in context, aren't they? They're, they're yeah. very much of the place. They're of the, they're of, they're of people, they're locals and tourists. Rome has always been a city of tourists. So the idea that sort of trattorias shouldn't be full of tourists is sort of preposterous. Probably the sort of most genuine trattorias are the ones that are, are also full of tourists because it's very rare that you don't have a trattoria with locals in too, you know. So you're obviously not from Rome. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Hertfordshire. So just outside right. London. Born in Southampton, actually. Born by the sea. I was born in Southampton, but didn't really live there at all. Um, and then mum and dad moved to London. My mum and dad are both from Manchester. So had, so had moved from Manchester down to right. Southampton, where I was born. And then, we, and then I grew up in Hertfordshire. The sort of cummerbund, the middle, the sort of tedious cummerbund of England is where I... So how, how did you, do you eat well growing up? Was that like a big part of your family eating? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. And a sort of mixture of things. Mm. my mum's a nice cook um it was always important I say my gra- my granny's pub was important my granny was a great cook and the pub was uh, the, the pub I loved I mean who wouldn't you know I mean you know bar stools a jukebox a 
as many crisps mm. and sort of, you know, bottles of, you know, lemonade as you wanted. But they also, you know, I remember, you know, chips and sandwiches and tongue sandwiches and, and sort of stews and Sunday roasts. And my granny, that was a sort of very, that, 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 that sort of looms large in my, in my sort of food memory. Although I, you know, as a food writer, I'm aware that, you know, you sort of zone in on particular things as a way of sort of understanding. So it's sometimes I do feel that my food memories are a bit skewed now as I sort of try to remember, yes, I have good sort of memories of everything, of sort of lots of food, home cooking, everything from sort of, you know, wonderful home cooking and Sunday roast to, you know, fish fingers and chips and peas and potato waffles. And it was all there. It was all, it was all there. It was all good. It was all important. Mm. So when did you, did you, did you work in kitchens when you were younger or when did you start, I guess, cooking food? What was the, what was the pub called? Is it still open? No, it's not. It's called the Gardener's Arms. No, I didn't really. I and mean, I do. I remember being in the pub and cooking. When did I start cooking? I mean, young probably. I was quite, um, I was the oldest of three. Um, I'm, um, and I was very responsible. So I was very grown up. So I think I was very helpful in the kitchen. Right. I don't, you know, again, food memories. But I remember being very helpful. I remember sort of being and quite and yes helpful and responsible so doing things for mum but actually I don't I think it was probably quite a responsibility because I tended to see things as being quite responsibility I was very aware of sort of hot pans I had a, a naughty brother and a much younger sister so I sort of I was the one in charge of I remember very young sort of pushing handles in <laughs> so that my brother and sister sort of didn't burn and so become sort of overwhelming yeah you know so so but but as I say I have and I was and I was I was very pleased that my mum sort of gave me responsibility so I remember quite young being um funny enough I have very vivid memories of, of a knife I think I established quite young that I didn't like that I didn't like great big knives I liked to do everything with a small serrated knife and so it was quite a relief when I got to Italy <laughs> people <laughs> and suddenly small serrated knives were everywhere and it was yeah. fine to um so yes I've got I've got I've got nice memories of helping um and slight anxiety around how much responsibility I felt about picking you know I don't know herbs from the garden or or you know getting something out of the freezer and so how um do you ever live in london i did and then at some point you made the trip to italy and then i've just stayed in rome yeah so i was yeah i mean i was i could have had a pre previous life i mean i'm i'm 48 now so i was came to italy 16 years ago so i was 33 and i but be, before that the the trying to go back the sort of 15 years before that i'd lived in london in hackney i was a i trained as an actress i trained and worked as an actress and when I wasn't acting, which is quite often, I worked in pubs and I worked in great pubs. I worked in the Duke of Cambridge and the Crown. Oh, nice. And they were the Duke of Cambridge was sort of London's one of London's first organic pubs. And it was very, mm. very good food. It was that whole time of sort of gastro pubs. It really was. I lived in various areas and I remember, you know, they um, well, the Eagle was the first that I remember going to. And again, you know, that return to pubs. I've, I like everybody. I've always, always liked pubs. Mm. Um, I sort of felt, um, and uh, like we all do, that was sort of nothing special. So, the, so I remember going to the sort of eagle and thinking, oh, like genius. <laughs> mm. And um, so, yeah, so that was very. That, so that that was that was my London time. So yes, and then at thirty three, I, I, I decided to travel and quite impulsively and went to, flew to Naples with an intention of staying in Sicily for a while. And after a few months of travelling, I liked Sicily a lot. And thought I might stay. It was very it was an unsettled time. I needed to travel around a bit, and um, and then I came to Rome with absolutely no intention of staying at all. Uh, I thought I'd learn a bit of Italian, although in retrospect, not speaking any Italian was a great way to uh, 
uh, sort of experience, um, especially when I ended up staying here for a bit in Testaccio. This immediately sort of struck me as a um, was the sort of place I wanted to be. Um, and yeah, and stayed with, with very little Italian, which was lovely in the beginning. Why, why is that? Just because did other people, did people speak English? Because I, when I, I mean, in Rome, when I was just there and the year before, everyone spoke English. Um, I didn't have to speak Italian, but I imagine it probably wasn't the same 16 years ago. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I went to school and I was learning Italian. Uh, so that was my reason for being in Rome. And then I, and then quite quick, I needed to work. So I got a job in a restaurant. Um, which was a good way to start sort of understanding and not a particularly tra traditional trattoria, but although there were very traditional things about it. And that was interesting, um, sort of working there for a few months and um, as a way of sort of starting to understand the city. And without sounding, it sounds like an enormous cliche, but it was, it was my way of understanding the, you know, such a good way, isn't it, to understand a place, just eat. Mm. As I say, it was completely new. I sort of had no, I really, it felt like a whole new world. Of, of recipes and ingredients and and um, and uh, so surprising and wonderful. I remember I was I arrived in the spring at the same time as you, so you know I was just I mean artichokes, <laughs> just yeah. sort of bonkers and wonderful the quantity. So I and and then at the same time I was I that's when I started cooking and I really feel that I relearned to cook in Italy. Our first um, when we said when we got mozzarella in beer and testaccio we also got a bag of peas and a bag of broad beans and just like shelled them and ate them in the middle of the testaccio market uh and it was still like it was cold but it was really bright um and it was like yeah artichokes people turning artichokes people putting the last of the punterella kind of put in ice buckets all around oh delicious yeah i met so you know so um so yes yeah, so learning again and sort of teaching myself to to cook again here which was uh um which was, um, and then I guess a way of understanding because it, you know, that it is, it, it is so, it is, it's so extraordinary that you that you sort of when you look back at Roman history. A friend of mine years ago, at least rewind then, said to me, "Look at a Roman menu, and you've got the best history of Rome in that menu. You know, two and a half, two and a half thousand years of history, sort of to take it to an extreme. But you know, all those elements, you know, the lamb and the chicory and the artichokes mm. and the you know the other wild greens and the pulses and the wheat and the focaccia and the grapes and the olives and the olive oil. It's all there. Like it hasn't changed yeah. very much. And there's still the elements. You have these extraordinary sort of direct direct links with the with the past. And I suppose you could argue that it's the same anywhere, but it, it doesn't stop it it being particularly lovely to appreciate that in Rome. I feel like there's sort of threads back mm. and um and that's very nice and that's sort of and i suppose that seeing it so clearly here has helped me then maybe think about the fact that it's, it, it is the same in england it is the same anywhere you just have to maybe look a bit harder um and not that you have to always be eating food that's been around for two and a half thousand years but it's sort of nice but that is it it's does, nice too yeah it is nice it is nice and uh, and i say i appreciate that all the time um all the time here we went the other day went to meet a, meet a cheese maker in tushta which is sort of northern Lazio, but is actually that sort of amazing ancient land, which was part of Italia, went all the way up to Liguria. Mm. And as all, they've been making sheep's milk cheeses there. Well, I mean, since the sort of Etruscans, this ancient you know, civilization, pre-Roman, and they know this because they found loads and loads of graters. <laughs> and, you know, we were there and actually there's a lot of Sardinian sheep there now, actually, that there's a big relationship between Sardinia and Lazio, most pecorino is actually made in Sardinia now, but anyway, and they're Sardinian sheeps in Tuscia, actually. It seems like a lovely change. But anyway, we're sitting there, sort of watching cheese being made, and I'm thinking, and we're looking out the window, and there's a sort of field with thistles and fennel and 
smelly flowers and it's just very and the sheep are munching away and I just thought like it's sort of it two and a half that you know it's like it's it's sort of it's the same there's the sort of there's the continuum there's the there's the sort of link um so I spoke to Katie I don't know if you heard her episode but that the Mboka cookbook series and I feel like all the cookbooks I've read kind of takes all of Italy and puts it in to one book but I never really understood how regional Italy is and then like we talk I talk about the Mboka series which is entirely about the regionality it sort of feels like it's post-fascism I mean even during fascism Italians trying to hold on to their heritage taken away from them by force and so I did some research on the book that you have chosen and I found very little about it but I can I can obviously decipher that it's regional Italian recipes but it but you know there's this preceding theme that I'm finding that people care about regionality in Italy it's important yeah yeah it is I think I mean I think it was hard to choose actually um a book and I will mm. look, you know, I will sort of probably look envious, at, obviously, at other episodes sort of thing. I was looking, thinking about Lloyd choosing sort of Simon Hopkinson. I feel I want to sort of give a disclaimer before sort of saying, but I like him and I like him first. I won't do that. I love cookbooks. I always have done. Um, they're very important, both for my cooking and for my writing. Um, the reason I chose this book is because it is the book, which is a huge, you know, um, a, a huge fat book. Um mm. Le ricette regionale italiane by, by um, uh, Anna Grossetti della Sarda. Um, it's um, still self-conscious of my pronunciation. It's, it's epic. It, it's the book I refer to most of all. It, I, I, it, it's um, a hugely, she was a very interesting woman. She, um, she was the sort of first, I think, editor of La Cucina Italiana. Um, and I don't know enough about the sort of history of Italian food magazines, but certainly, and she put together, I think, over a long period of time. She says four years, but obviously this is a sort of lifetime's work. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a reference book. It's a sort of encyclopedia of, of Italian regional recipes. And it, it's not so much about sort of the regionality of cooking book. It's just got everything in it. It's very simple. Each recipe is the ingredients and is, it's a, an economy of words. And what, mostly what I love about this book is that if I am, I, it's a, my reference book, although I cook from it all the time, um, uh, uh, is that I can also cross-reference so brilliantly. So I don't know how many recipes there are. Mm. I should feel I should have looked this for you. There are, I'm going to tell you exactly. Oh, here we go. Yes, there are 2,161 recipes. So it's really comprehensive, but it's, it allows me to sort of cross-reference. Cross and what's so interesting is that, you know, you'll look at sort of, I don't know, Polo alla Cacciatora, um, so, mm. you know, and you will be able to see, ah, okay, this is what they do in Lazio, this is what they do in Tuscany, this is what they do in Umbria, this is what they do in, you know, so I can, I can sort of cross-reference and see, and, and as I say, I, I, um, I feel, um, uh, I feel it's a sort of way of, of sort of, it, it's such a sort of rounded way of looking at things, and, um, and sort of endlessly interesting, and also for me as a, um, again, so I suppose it's from a cooking and a writing perspective, which is why it's so, sort of useful to me um uh, and as i say you know um almost it, it, the recipes work and yeah. i would and in fact I'm, i think it's going to be translated and it's going to be absolutely fantastic because it's a fantastic mm. book and i would love to i want to know more i want to see more writing about this and i want to know more about her because i think she was a rigorous rigorous recipe tester i think she was the sort of delia smith of this you know it, these recipes work um so anyway, that's why that was a long reply to why I've chosen that book. No, I mean I would love 
I'd love a copy. Are, are they only in Italian? It is in Italian, but actually I think it would be, even to someone with very basic Italian, even someone with almost no Italian, it would be, um, it, it, it's, under, it's comprehensible, it's understandable. You know, you've got a list of ingredients and quantities and then, and then a sort of skeleton of instructions, which is, which is lovely. Abs- yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. sort of um, essential, um, I think a sort of essential for a good Italian bookshelf. And, and it's really complimentary as well. I think it's a book sort of to have with other books. Uh, yeah, masterpiece. And I guess, it, I mean, it's 2000 Recipes, it's sort of endless, isn't it? And Italian food as well is all like, at face value, it all seems quite similar. It's, it's like, it's an amazing cuisine for how simple it is. And those little tiny changes that make a huge difference to how something tastes. It's like, the, it's, it's the best example I can think of of sort of less is more and how to make something delicious with so few ingredients. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's, um, isn't it? It's, I, mean, I mean, the thing about it, Italian cooking, the, the way I understand it, you know, it is, um, is that it is, you know, it's home cooking. It always is. And like you say, yes, it often is very simple. That's not to say it can't also be extraordinarily complicated. And I say my experience is really, really centred on Rome and Sicily. Um, you know, I live here with a Sicilian, so I feel that those are the two sort of, and I'm talking about southern Sicily, those are the sort of two cuisines in which I feel most confident talking about. To talk about anything else would sort of feel idiotic. But having said that, I've just worked on a book about pasta and so did spend time in Bologna and, you know, um, sort of extraordinary cuisine and sort of extraordinary, extraordinary sort of complicated and complex and rich. Um, but I think, yes, you're right. I think the sort of basis of it is that often recipes have five or six ingredients and that they are varied according to the season and the place. And so I think, you know, that polo hunt, you know, sort of braised chicken is a good example. You know, made in Rome, it would be. Romans are pretty elemental, actually. Often, if you look at Roman recipes, they will have very few ingredients, sort of four or five. But, you know, it's got rosemary and pepperoncino. The Romans like a bit of dried pepperoncino. And then you go, you know, you go to Tuscany, it's got sage in it. You know, the same recipe you go into Sicily and you find that it's got, it's got, you know, it's got mint in it. it you know, it's very, um, uh, it's things defined by a, a, a sort of herb or, or changed by a vegetable. And, and, um, uh, and, I, and I sort of like those tiny regional variations. It's like sort of, you know, three steps this way and, and, and one little thing changes. It's like, you know. So the cacciatore in the book, how is it, how is it structured? Is it just, is it? the recipe itself, like Polo Cacciatore and then all the different regions? Or is the book is the book sort of regional? No, it's regional. No, you're right. It's regional. So you have the so basically yes, it's region by region. So it's densely so you just so it'll you know, the first obviously the first is um Piemonte and you've got antipasta, antipasti, you know, primi, secondi, contorni, dolci. Um so and then and then you've got the next the next region. So yes, so cross referencing has to be sort of done. Um, there's a lot of post-its in it yeah what are some favorite recipes from the book um i've got so many or some weird recipes i think me and alex referenced this when we did a um when we made the timballo the crazy sorry we didn't really talk about what it was but a timballo is this unconventional baked pasta pie and we've wanted to make a timballo ever since um i mean lots of it's it's sort of I'm trying to think what I'm oh yes um, I mean I've made lots of things from here I mean actually the 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 sort of wove in tripa that's the page that's fallen open now with the post-it in it you know so the the sort of um omelets um mm. so you make omelets and pile them up and then roll them and chop them so they look a bit like tripe in tomato sauce with with wild mint that you know that I've made out of here as I say I'm often I mean often when I'm um when I'm writing about something I'll have you know seven or eight cookbooks open just because. I'm also, you know, 
sort of comparing even the sort of even even the simplest things and then of course looking what different people say wondering who i'm you know going to going to borrow from Mm. here's a good question i have because this is what i've been thinking about i didn't realize tripa la romana or even like you said the wovo and tripa always has mint and mint seemed like this herb that is used with lots of offal which i sort of didn't fully realize until recently why is that is there i mean i guess mint is probably probably because it's a bit is it invasive? It's a really good, and, you, and you've, you've hit the nail on the head. And we sh- Okay, so what's important is that it's mentucha, which is a form of mint. It's a sort of wild mint. Is it nepitella in English? And, but it's, you know, it's described as a sort of wild mint often. There's quite a lot of sort of mistranslating, but it's mentucha, and it grows all over the place in Rome. You know, so mm. again, sort of the ingredients do come out of the cracks in the pavement here. Chicory, mentucha, you know, capers, bay. It's kind of, I think, mentucha, it's an incredible smell. It's, I think it's a bit like sage, mint and cappy and something <laughs> sweet all at once. It's got a really sort of musty, minty flavour, very distinct, um, as much like sage as it is like mint. In fact, it doesn't really smell like mint, although there's definitely mint notes in it. And I just think, I think it's a case of what grows together goes together. Um, and, mm. you know, and I think that, but I do, I wonder, and you've hit on something, I wonder whether there's sort of, there's something in the chemistry of mentucha that is, you know, that sort of really works with those quite strong notes in offal. Because, um, again, it varies on the, sh- the chef and, you know, young chefs maybe don't include it, but I think it's really important. And it isn't so mm. much about sort of masking the, the food, but it's certainly sort of complements those strong flavours. It's it's strong mentucha, so it needs sort of a strong, um, it needs to be with strong flavors. It's what also is often stuffed along with parsley inside artichokes. Um, and right. I think, and it's a really um, very definite, very, very Roman flavour. And as I say, it grows all over the place. Like if you go to the the sort of Roman bath, the Dedemidi Caracalla, and you sit down, you know, your bottom squashes and you get this sort of lovely of sage mint cat pee. So how long has this? How long have you been working on this book for? Well, I, sp- I suppose I suppose I could say, couldn't I? I could say, you know, sixteen years. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but uh, but um, I could be even more sort of wanky and say all my life, which would be rubbish. No, so <laughs> I suppose sixteen years. Yeah, is it, but but uh, but the um, yeah, because I suppose it always it all it's because a, a fixed point, isn't it, pasta? And um, yeah. I, I'm quite nervous about it, actually, but I enjoy doing it. It's, you know, there are there are 1,300 identified pasta names. You know, it, it, I don't need to tell you, a chef in an Italian restaurant, how important it is to Italian eating. Like, it, it felt, I felt, I feel sort of anxious even talking about it. But I really wanted to, I've chosen 50 little stories about 50 shapes, and I hope put together they make a jigsaw of the pasta story. I hope it's good reading. Um, mm. You know, some of them are historical, some of them are geographical, some of them are ridiculous, some of them are funny. One of them is absolutely ridiculous. I've made Vincenzo into a sort of pasta agony uncle um, because also pasta complaints are almost sort of translatable with sexual problems. So I could have written a whole book of agony aunt letters. But, um, but you know, I hope it's, um, yeah. Um, and, and I've always believed sort of stories are some sort of the best way to sort of in, into, um, to, into to understanding things. You know, I've just, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not writing about standing in a field, looking at grass with, artichokes in it because i want to tell you particularly about me standing in a field looking at a field with artichokes in it but I, because i want it's a reason because then i'm going to go on and talk about the etruscans and but like that's a way in 
Um, and, and I think that that's, uh, you know, ultimately what makes sort of food writing so fascinating because it's ways in um, as sort of looking at, at massive things. And as I say, sometimes I mean, food writing, I think the sort of best food writing is just writing, isn't it? Can make us think about all sorts of things way beyond our, you know, omelettes in tomato sauce. And of course, they remain just omelettes in tomato sauce. Well, in Philippa. Very nice. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's a, there has, there's a nice balance that you can find. And it definitely is. There's something nice about a recipe, but there's something really nice about a story with a recipe. I'm very excited for your book. It sounds really good. God, I feel like, I feel like I've picked up. Yes, I, I, I think I'm quite excited. No, no. I enjoyed, I enjoyed writing, I enjoyed writing it very much. It was, it was really good. For, I had a great, I had a great publisher, um, Julietta Nan, who was really sort of, whose appetite for the project was huge. And, uh, and she sort of kept me going. It's nice. It's nice. It feels, it's, yeah, it's 50 stories about 50 shapes. It feels quite different to your other two. Yeah, it is actually. I mean, there's, there's less of me in there. There's less, there's not quite so much, you know, wandering around to Statue Market, as which is somebody, one of my, my less friendly commentators said, shut the fuck up, woman. <laughs> yeah, who, who cares? Um, I'm, I'm putting myself down. I sort of know what I do has got value, but, uh, yeah. but there's a bit of that. There's a little bit. Thanks for listening. All of Rachel's information will be in the show notes. I don't know about you, but I've pre-ordered an A to Z of pasta. I'm sure it will be great. If you're listening on Spotify, follow. If on Apple, subscribe. It helps other people find the show. Thanks again. Keep cooking and keep eating. <laughs>